Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota, who's a great Ram Nation partner, has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, and Loveland communities since 1968. They're a family-owned and operated business, and they're committed to making the car buying and service experience smooth and stress-free with a friendly and accommodating staff in all their departments. Inventory is still an issue in the car business today, but Peterson Toyota prioritizes their inventory for local customers, ensuring that you have the best selection around. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Ram Nation Radio. Joel Kittlemessa joined by Mike Rowe. He's live on the location from what bar are you at right now? Uh, the Kentucky Inn. Uh, <laughs> Nothing but Kentucky the best. Mike. Mike's got a annual Martin Luther King Day bar crawl tradition with his buddies, and uh, we're lucky to have him take a few minutes off to join us for today's podcast. He didn't want to miss uh, this uh, one. Yet. A shout out! A shout out to Naramska. Because this is our 25th straight uh, MLK Day that we've gone out and enjoyed some food, enjoyed some beverages. That's awesome. It looks like you guys are having fun. And you're off to uh, where you go. Where are you going to next? Next stop is the uh, duck. Dirty Duck. Yep. Dirty Duck. That's that's the ending. That's a landing spot. That's. That's where we that's where we always finish up. at. How many bars in total will you have hit today? Uh, just this is number two. We we went to JD's old school, um, and now we're at Kentucky Inn. So yeah, always go to the dive bars. That's our thing. Yep, that's good. And you're fresh off a trip to UNLV, which we'll talk about in a second. But in just a few minutes, we'll be bring in CCU head football coach Jay Norvell. So very kind to join us, and uh, we'll be back to back interviews with. Our main head coach is at CSU, which is we're, we're very fortunate to have that. But before he comes on, Mike and I just kind of wanted to talk about how amazing the UNLV game was. And uh, I know for me, it was an interesting night because I was at my niece's birthday party and uh, I had successfully avoided all updates from friends and texts and whatnot because I wanted to go home and watch the game in its entirety. When I got back to my house, I recorded it. Of course, as soon as I turn on the dvr i had to skip skip through like however freaking an hour worth of recording because the previous game went long and i got to see only a minute and 23 of the first half but uh the second half was was pretty darn exciting and made up for for all that so michael you were actually at the thomas and mac center what was that like uh first 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 trip to thomas and mac um gotta say like i get it for Mountain West tournament. I think UNLV needs to play in a smaller, smaller arena. It was a big crowd, but there was, it's just so big. Like everything was so spread out and it was such a good game, but there was no, like the crowd wasn't into it. 
Um, so it, it was it was weird. Like I don't like it was just kind of a a weird setup uh, that they had. But as a CSU fan, being there in person, it was awesome. Uh, obviously, the finish, the 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 way we won the game. I mean, it was great to be a part of it. And then somehow after the game, ended up on the floor and was with all the family, all the players, all the coaches. And it was just so cool to take it all in, especially after, you know, having Coach Medved on and, and Steve, uh, you know, Steve Ivey, our other our other co-host for basketball. He was there as well. And, and being there to celebrate it with, with everybody, it was, it was just such a great – great feeling great environment and, and i'm glad we went obviously after tuesday night You're it was one like, of those, are we like, going? <laughs> exactly like are we really gonna do this and how unlv handled us last year like oh my gosh are we get we really going all this way to to witness that and for the way that we played and, and to come out the way we did it, i mean it was awesome it was it was such a good such a good trip and Honestly, it, it kind of rivals that the Boston College football game yeah. uh, that I went to, to to go out and, and see a win like that, to see a win the way we did and, and just being around the people that we were with. Like, it was awesome. Tell the truth. Were you at the bar when the heroics happened or did we did you actually were you in a seat? And I was we were in our seat, uh, scored some pretty good seats right by our tunnel. Uh, where the where the players came out, scored some seats on StubHub right before, like literally right as soon as we got dropped off at Thomas and Mac, and uh, no, it was it was awesome, and it was I it, I was I picked a section near our bench, so we were just on the corner corner of the floor, and you know to see the throw from from Isaiah Rivera which isn't getting enough credit or the fact his rebound on the air ball that Stevens shot that he got dribbled out, pass it to back to Stevens who nailed a three to get us in within one at that time in regulation. But to see him, to see Stevens catch that turn and literally do a, a soccer throw in towards the basket to bank it in, but we were where we were at. Like, as soon as he let go, like you could just see the traje- trajectory on it. You knew it was going in. Like it, it, like, and it was awesome. And to be around the UNLV fans that we were, and just hear the complete silence when he made that to send it to overtime. It, it was awesome. Well, you called it. I mean, it was uh, the inbounds play by Isaiah Rivera was was awesome. And in the other than, I mean, he had a pretty nondescript game. Uh, but that's what you like about scoring wise. Team. And I'm going to say this: scoring wise, he did. I, he had zero points. So did Tavy. Him and Tavy combined for zero points on Saturday. But they moved the ball well, and their defense. Yep. But the the way they the way they they change their approach on offense. Those first 10 minutes, UNLV's defense just kept us out of our game plan, was pushing us up, pushing us high so that we couldn't get that high screen and get that pick and roll to, that, that we always do to get us started. 
and they were just pushing us off our spots. And the way they changed about 10 minutes into the game, and, and again, if, if you were watching on TV, you missed this. That was a huge thing that people, I mean, didn't see and, and haven't been able to talk about. But our guards reacted to how they were playing defense. And that 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 changed the game because we were down 10 early just because we were just getting pushed off the block. We couldn't start our offense. We couldn't get any motion. We couldn't get inside to get our baskets. And once Tavy and Lake and Rivera and Stevens, once they once they made that adjustment, I mean, we saw what happened. We made the comeback. We had leads. I mean, it was tough. We gave up. Uh, it was a it was a ten two run to end end regulation to put them up by four before we hit the three, and then they hit the two free throws, and then we then we got the the game tying you know three pointer. But I, I was impressed with with our guard play again. I know. Rivera and, and Tavy scored zero points combined, but all the other things that they were doing, like tip of the cap, because I mean basketball. When you're not scoring points, it's easy to start feeling sorry for yourself. And our guards didn't do that, especially yeah, Tavy, who had so much family. I mean, hometown kid, his entire family was there, and it was awesome meeting them after the game and talking to them. And can't tell you how much they appreciate that he is one of our NIL athletes and, and so many of them thank me and, and on behalf of Ram nation, not, not just because of what we do, but what the entire Ram nation community has done to, to bring him in and, and to have him as one of our NIL athletes. They're, they, they appreciate that so much. And again, totally could have hung his head, missed two gimme layups and he didn't let it get him down. And, and, that right there is why we won the game is, is because of those four guards and the way they are moved the ball around and start giving us easy baskets. Well, that's what you like about this team. It's been a rough season up and down, but uh, when they, when they're having a rough game, they don't hang their heads. They find ways to, to help out. John Tanjay had some key moments. He cut down on his turnovers. What do you have five the game before that was just a killer. <laughs> Uh, he he took care of the ball much better this game, chipped in 12 points. So it was a good effort across the board, but obviously Isaiah Stevens stole the show, and uh, it's what's kind of prompted some good discussions on the message boards and on Twitter on is this the best performance you've ever seen from a CSU player? And I think it, it, the debate is funny is because it comes down to the Michael Morris game against Purdue, which will forever be memorable because of the way that ended, but – I think from start to finish, this game was a a far better performance by Isaiah than 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 it was Michael. And that's not to diminish what Michael did in that game because those two three pointers at the end of the game, where the the last one where he kind of caught that ball in mid jump and threw up a rare <laughs> three at the buzzer, will never be topped. I don't think it was just amazing. But uh, Isaiah Stevens, the way that he hit two key, well, what basically four key shots, and he obviously hit the. Yeah. The, the three to keep them in it, to cut it from four to one. Uh, and then obviously he hit the the buzzer beater from half court. And then a couple big shots in overtime as well. Just, uh, and then, you know, the, the, the steal late as well. I mean, he was just everywhere on the court. The, the craziest thing when they showed, so they showed the replay, he didn't touch that ball. He, he went for it and it looked like he was going to get the steal. And 
the UNLV player reached out, it hit off his hand, and then the UNLV player's foot, and then yeah. went out of bounds. Like it, like when they when they gave the ball to us, I was like, "There's no way that's getting that's getting overturned." And then when they showed it on the uh, on the screen, I'm like, "Wait, he ne- he never touched it once. He made the great play to cut it off, but it was all completely off that UNLV player." But I'll say that was the best. That's the best individual performance I've ever seen in person. In person from a CSU player, like all the games I've been to, that was by far the best individual performance I've ever seen. That Cavell game Clavel against yeah. Um, I wasn't there in person. That was on the road. That was unreal too. So it's it that's one of those one A one B, and then just the ending of the game. I was at the Purdue game as well. That's another one A one B because the way that game ended too was unreal. But it's been so much fun seeing that on the message board and, and, and seeing people talking about it. But then so many people talking about well this game in 1978, <laughs> this game in right. 1983, you know. The Pat Durham in this game, it, it, that's been awesome, and I love that. That's one of the one of the greatest things about the Ram Nation community is because you do get all this this kind of great conversation, and that's what I love about it. Well, it was an exciting basketball game for sure. We will revisit that again. Big game this Wednesday against San Diego State at home. It's a whiteout. Hope everybody gets out for that. Before we bring in Coach Norvell, let me tell you about Ginger and Baker. They're a fantastic place with two great restaurants, The Cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine, good whiskey. I see Steve's eyes lighting up. He loves Ginger and Baker. The cafe currently has an $18 special that includes roasted pork shanks, broccolini, mashers, and apple sage jus. Check out that masterpiece. Ginger Baker also has a coffee shop, bakery, event spaces, market, and a teaching kitchen. They recently added a bunch of new classes this month due to the popularity and and to open up some new opportunities since a bunch of them were already sold out. They'll have a speakeasy cocktail class, breakfast for dinner class, pot pie class, and more. So check out gingerbaker.com slash calendar. You'll see all the events coming up in the coming months. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. Now we are very lucky to have Coach Jay Norvell joining us. I see Kyle in the background. Thank you guys so much for setting this up and and Coach Norvell for, for being well, willing to hang out with us for a little bit. How you doing, guys? Doing really good. Good. Great, Coach. How are you? Good, Mike. So we're appreciative of Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. Um, really excited and honored to have you. We're, we're, we're enthusiastic about where this program is going and the product's getting better, and uh, we're just uh, very excited to have you uh, talk about the program with today. So, Coach, I guess we'll start here. Um, you've been on campus for a little over a year now. You and your wife, Kim, have seemed to really take a liking to Fort Collins and, and the CSU community. What have been some of the highlights for you here through year one of being in Fort Collins and the CSU campus? No, just, uh, you know, the reason we came here is because – uh, great community uh, connection with the university and the support of the program. And, and uh, we've done, done quite a bit as, as a staff uh, where we were and we just felt like we could do more. 
um, you know, didn't quite have the support that that I thought we would get here. And I always wanted to coach. Uh, I grew up in a college town. I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. My dad played at the university. Um, I grew up in the south end zone of Camp Randall Stadium. And uh, uh, but I always wanted to coach at a place where you could recruit number one and where you where people cared, you know. And so that's the most important thing for me as a coach. I mean, I don't really have a lot of hobbies. I don't really have any hobbies, to be honest with you. You know, I love ball and I love coaching and and uh, I love watching tape and, and helping kids get better. And and I love recruiting. And so um, that's that's what I do. And so I just felt like coming here would give us a chance to be elite and uh you know, I've been pleased with everything about it since uh, since we came to CSU. When you took the job, you, you mentioned all those things and you pointed to the commitment that CSU is making towards football in particular, the support, the facilities. They were all kind of the reasons that you just mentioned there that compelled you to leave Nevada to come here. A year in, what can you say about those particular things and how it's made a difference for you and your staff and, and in, in recruiting? Yeah, I had a, I had a, uh, uh, I spoke to a group, uh, our beef club, which is awesome. Uh, and they've been supporting the university and the football program for 25 years. I, they had their annual meeting and I met with them Saturday night and I told them exactly the same thing. You know, first of all, it's, I know I'm at a good football school when, when we have a good beef club, that's number one. I mean, I was at Iowa. We had we had we had beef and pork at Iowa when I was there. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, I was at Texas. I was at Oklahoma. Um, all those schools had great support, and, and football was important. Um, and and we have that here. You know, our beef club's been amazing. You know, we we fit we fed five hundred people uh, after our spring game. Just our families and and uh, their their our our kids' families. Um, they supported us with things we needed in the weight room and they've supported us uh, with sponsorship and, um, you know, and, and that's been a common theme in this community. I mean, there's a lot of amazing businesses. I sit here looking in the stadium, all the local businesses that have supported this stadium. So those are things that get me excited as a coach and uh, know that we can really build great things here. And, and we've seen it in recruiting. You know, I think one of the things that we found, we got a really good staff of coaches, guys that love to recruit. And just being here in Fort Collins in northern Colorado and 40 minutes from the Denver airport and having that being an international airport, we've been able to reach out and touch parts of this country we never were able to touch before. And so that fires me up as a coach. We're seeing the returns in recruiting, and I think it's just going to pay off for the future of the program. So, Coach, you know, as a person of color myself, I can't tell you how much pride I, I have felt since you were named uh, the head coach at my alma mater. Since your appointment at CSU, you know, what has been the significance that you have seen from the CSU community as, as well as you and your family? Yeah, it's, it's, it is important, you know, Mike. I, I mean, you know, I, I – uh, my dad, my dad was a, a college football player, and then 
he ended up getting his his master's and his doctorate from Wisconsin, and then he became the first black uh, athletic director at Michigan State. So he was a Mich- he was an athletic director at Michigan State when Nick Saban was coaching, and and uh, he's there with Tom Izzo and. You know, and so he's always been, uh, you know, my dad passed a couple of years ago, but he's always been at the forefront and he helped mentor a lot of the great black coaches that are head coaches in college athletics today. And and um, uh, I always felt the responsibility to really do a great job. And and uh, and I think, you know, I want to make a difference in all these young coaches coming up and and be an example for them uh, by doing a good job. So I've always felt that way professionally. You know, the other thing is in the community, you know, uh, um, you know, it's an important role, you know, being a head football coach, you get a chance to, to really give an example of how to handle yourself in a lot of different situations. And my dad was a great example to me and I've, I've been around a lot of hall of fame coaches. And so I take that really seriously you know, I'm excited when other coaches of color get opportunities, um, you know, and, and, and I think it's, I think it's great, um, you know, just to have that diversity in our profession. And, um, but, you know, I'm, I, I think about it every day and I want to do a great job for CSU and, and, uh, and, and, and so other, other coaches of color can get the same kind of opportunity. Coach, you had mentioned your dad, Played football at Wisconsin. You grew up going to games there. How'd you end up going to college at Iowa? They, they weren't exactly a winning program then, you know, under yeah. him in his early years and before. You no, know, I, I just I, hey, Ed Madison is way 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 more fun than Iowa City. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I I was just lucky. I mean, you just got to get. Sometimes you get blessed in life, and and. Um, you know, I wasn't highly recruited. You know, I, I really had four choices coming out of co- high school. Um, you know, I got recruited by Northern Illinois. I got recruited by Drake University and then um, and then the University of Iowa. And uh, University of Iowa uh, was a brand new program. And they had a guy named Hayden Fry. He was there. He was a second year uh, head coach there. And um uh, as soon as I met coach Fry, I knew, I knew he was going to win. He just was a winner and, uh, uh, had a great coaching staff. You know, uh, we had a whole staff of coaches that ended up being head coaches. You know, Barry Alvarez was there then Bill Snyder and Kurt Ferentz was our 25 year old line coach. And, and, uh, you know, I played with all the Stoops brothers. And so that just was a blessing for me and set me up for the rest of my life. Uh, uh, you know, when I, got a chance to become the head coach at Nevada, all those guys called on my behalf. And, you know, Bob Stoops and Bill Snyder and Kurt Ferentz and uh, Bob Stoops, all those guys. And so I just was really fortunate and to be around great people. And uh, it's affected me today. You know, uh, Coach, I got a picture of Coach Fry behind me in the office here. And uh, everything that I learned at, in that Iowa program, has stayed with me all these years. And it's a basis of what we do here. You know, we're old school in a lot of ways. Uh, it's, it's about, it's about being a team. It's about loving each other and sacrificing for something bigger than yourself. And, you know, we didn't always have five-star players at Iowa, but we had a lot of tough guys and we, we, we would lay it on the line for each other. 
And, uh, and that's what we do here. You know, that's, and I think that was the biggest thing that we had to understand this year. You know, our record wasn't nearly what we, what we expected to be. Uh, but at the end of the year, we did have a group of guys in that locker room that would lay it on the line for each other. And, and, and that's what this sport is all about. And, and it gets lost a lot right now because of NIL and all this stuff. But uh, when it's done right, it's done because you got a, a group of guys that are all pulling the same way. They're fighting for each other. They have toughness about them. And um, and they play for each other. They're playing for something bigger than themselves. And, you know, I, I told our kids after the last game, I brought them in a locker room. And we met that Monday morning, and 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 I told them that three wins is not our standard, and we'll never be there again. And um, but I guaranteed him we were going to get a bunch of guys that love CSU that were going to fight for this this football team and fight for each other, and 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 we'll do that. And, and we've had a lot of success recruiting, getting those type of guys. Um, we can't wait to start working with them. I got a meeting here at about. 40 minutes um, with our kids that are coming back this semester. So uh, I can't wait to get started and, and get to work with this group. Well, to a man, most of those players basically echoed everything you're just saying is we grew as a team. We got closer. We, we went to battle with each other for each other um, as the season went on. And it's almost like with every guy who left, you know, the program, the rest of the guys that were there, their bond strengthened. And so um, that, that's cool stuff. We'll ask you more about that. But um, yeah. one of the cool things, and, and just to go back on Hayden Fry, one of the things that I love about college football is when CSU goes to play somewhere, we, I like going to new places. And I know Mike does as well. We, 2021, we both went to the Iowa game and I just loved how Hayden Fry was all over that town. Like he was, there was a statue of him in the hotel we stayed at, which was 10 miles out of town, there was a stat, multiple statues on campus and just a college football legend. And, you know, I know that you had mentioned most of the names there, but there was like nine or 10 guys from your senior year, that 90, 1985 Iowa Hawkeyes team as a player or a coach who went on to become FBS coaches. You know, the guys that you named Barry Alvarez, Kirk Ferentz, Bob Stoops, Bill Snyder, actually Mike Stoops as well. You obviously. So what the heck was it about that group that was such a, uh, a factory for coaches. You know, I think it, it it all goes down to, to Hayden Fry. I mean, when I got the uh, the Nevada job, Coach Fry called me and he said, you know, he got a call from the AFCA uh, Coaches Association, and he had more head coaches than any other head coach that they could see on record. He had twenty seven assistants that ended up being head coaches, and and that was more than Bear Bryant and more than Bobby Bowden at the time. And uh, but I, you know, Coach Fry had a philosophy about hiring coaches and he and he shared it with me. He says, number one, he goes, Jay, if you want the players to win, you got to surround them with winners. But he he looked for assistant coaches that aspired to be head coaches. And he told me this. He said, Jay, he goes, if I hire a guy that wants to be a head coach, I never have to worry about him. I know he's always going to be working long hour hours. He's always going to try to prove himself. And he wants his area of the team to be the best. And so I've tried to take that on myself. You know, I was lucky, you know, uh, Timmy Chang was one of my assistants and was with me for five years. And we were, we were so fired up that he got the Hawaii job 
and Timmy's going to be a great, uh, do a great job there. And I got some other guys. I think Freddie Banks is, is, is a star in this profession. I think he's going to be a great head coach. Um, you know, we got a, several other guys on this staff that I think can, can be excellent head coaches in the future. And, you know, and I'll say this, uh, you know, I, I had to fight off all these power five schools from my staff members when I was at Nevada. One of the reasons I wanted to come to Colorado state is because I got a bigger budget to keep my coaches and we had to do it this year. We, you know, uh, we had power five schools coming after Freddie banks and thank God we were able to get him to stay. And, and uh, you know, Buddha Williams has had two power five job offers and um, one in the PAC 12, one in the big 10. And, uh, and he just told me yesterday he's staying. And so we've been working real hard to retain the good people we got. And uh, I just think if we can keep this group together, we're going to do special things. I have to tell you that Freddie Banks hire, I know he's with you for a short time in Nevada. Amazing. Like uh, what he did on defense. Yep. Loved it. Loved it. Just got a special he's so, request. Uh, he's so smart. About your time in your time in in Lincoln, Nebraska, as, as an assistant. My buddy's listening in the background. He he's a huge Nebraska fan, so he wants he wants to hear about that. About the Nebraska years. Oh, I love. I tell you, I love my time at Nebraska. You know, I really, I really did, and uh, um, and that's a special, special place as far as fan base and, and the way they support their program. And it's been tough. You know, I think it's been tough for Nebraska, you know, leaving the Big 12, um, going to the Big 10. It's just a completely different landscape. And, uh, you know, I think they've had a hard time finding their niche, you know, in recruiting. It's a tough place to recruit to because there's just so few people in the state of Nebraska. And I don't think many people realize that, you know, you really have to recruit nationally. And uh, you got to have a great staff to do that. And, uh, you know, I think they'll get back, uh, but they just have had a hard time finding their niche, in, in, especially in recruiting and, and in their conference. So, so when you got here, you immediately said you were going to have to have conversations with players on the roster that may not have fit your style of play. A bunch of them left. Obviously, you went through the same thing when you took the job at Nevada. You know, that first year you had some turnover. Obviously, there's a lot of turnover that's necessary when you'd go through this in a program. The sheer amount of departures that also kind of left you thin in some areas. How do you decide, you know, who to keep or who to urge, you know, to leave when they might not be a total fit, even though it might leave you shorthanded in some areas? Yeah, it's that's a very leveled question because there's a lot of levels to it. You know, I think the first thing that needs to be said is that the rules have changed in the last two, two years drastically, you know, we, we, we have, first of all, the, 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 the one-time transfer rule has changed football. Um, and the other rule that has changed is this, this four game rule for, for red shirting. And, um, and so those two rules combined is really, have really changed rosters in the last two years now the other rule that's really changed and people don't talk about it very much is the COVID year you know the COVID year gave everybody an extra year of eligibility and really gave the players a lot of flexibility I mean 
every kid on a college roster could choose if they wanted to play or not the COVID year. And then they wouldn't lose a year of eligibility. And so you got a whole group of kids now that feel like they got a choice whether they could they want to play or they don't want to play. And so that that has kind of changed the just the mindset of some of these kids um, and gave them a lot of flexibility and choice about what they could do. Um, the other thing that's changed in, the, in this last year is that um, the competition committee has given the coaches uh, back the roster. Um, we were the only sport in football up to a year ago that didn't have control of their roster. And when I say that is we, we could only sign 25 scholarship players in a calendar year when I took the job here a year ago, that's changed now. Um, and that was regardless of you have 85 guys on scholarship or not. This August, they changed that rule and every team in America now can sign as many players as they want to get to 85. So that's what's happened in this last year. We kind of went through this transition of rules and for different reasons, kids had options to, to not play if they didn't want to play. Um, so that happened with us. You know, we signed 32 players a year ago um, and we had a, a big transition. Really, really offensively, we had more of a need for transition than defensively. Um, and uh, some of the kids fit what we would traditionally look for. Some of the kids did it. Um, and we went into the season and you really never know how things are going to happen when you take on a new job. You know, all these jobs are different. Um, but for one reason or another, kids kids uh, decided that they wanted to take advantage, especially of the four game rule where they could save their year of eligibility and try their you know, luck somewhere else. You know, the unfortunate thing was, is that we ended up playing this the bulk of the of the conference games with 59 scholarship players. And, you know, we were literally, you know, a full class from playing with a full deck. And so that did hurt us. You know, it, it really hurt how we could practice. We couldn't practice the way we like to practice and the way you need to practice. And we really didn't have the depth really to, to be able to hold players accountable to do the right thing. I mean, most of our starters didn't have backups. And, you know, sometimes you can play at a pretty high level doing that. A lot of times you can't because, you know, when a guy knows that you can't bench him and you can't set him down, the motivation for him to do things at a high level is just not the same. And so, you know, we got through it, you know, and, and I'm going to be honest, as a head coach, sometimes you just got to bite your lip and fight through it. And that's what I ended up doing for about two months last year. But, but you know, we're at, a, we're at a time where we can affect the roster. The biggest biggest time where we can affect the roster is in the first signing period. That's when the most players are available. That's where the most talent is available. And, uh, you know, and we, we took advantage of that. We tried to affect the roster the best we could in that first signing period. We signed 35 guys. And um, we're, we're about four scholarships under our 85 limit right now. 
and in between now and the next signing period and between now and the time we play next fall, we're, we're going to, we'll be at 85. And, uh, you know, I promised our team, we would, we would be there. We would have a full deck of cards we can go to go to fight with. And, um, and that's going to change us significantly. Just the way we could practice the competition in every room. You can't have a good football team unless you have competition. And, and, um, you know, and we're, we're, we're getting that at uh, most positions. We feel like we really have competition and we have uh, the profile of the player that we, we, we're looking for at those spots. You know, you know, one of the, I think one of the biggest positions, obviously we went into this recruiting uh, period knowing that we had to, we had to pour talent in the offensive line room. That was one of our biggest areas of need. And uh, we were able to do that with some quality transfers and some great young kids. Um, we did not have the depth at that position last year. When we had injuries, we had some guys that had to step up and it just, they weren't, they were not capable of playing division one football, to be honest with you. And so it's just, it, it is what it is. And, and so we have to, we have to revitalize uh, that position room and get bodies in there that will compete and play uh, and compete at this level. Um, you know, the tight end room was another, room. you know, you know, we got, we brought in three players. We got two transfers and another high school kid that are all six, six long athletic guys that fit the profile that, that we like at that position. So um, that room is going to start to reflect what we like, you know, our wide receiver position, same thing, you know, we end up, our last month of the season, I think we had four four receivers at practice, you know, and they were young kids. Um, majority of them were young kids that were learning how to play and going through the growing pains of playing. But we've, we've re revitalized that room as well. We got a bunch of young talent coming into there. So um, we're able to affect that. And, and, and I can't wait. I really can't wait to get started. You know, we, we our kids are already – studying cut-ups and we start school tomorrow and and they'll start going to work on 23. So coach mummy said going into the season his goal was to average 30 points a game and we were all psyched because <laughs> you know our previous regime was they like to slow the game down run the ball run the clock we were excited about putting up some points obviously that didn't necessarily materialize I think our high point mark was 19 points uh, in a game and we average like 13 points but you know there's some key pieces in place you have a quarterback who finished tops in the country in completion percentage you had some weapons in your mind though what where were some of the contributing factors for the lack of offense is it just not having those key pieces like you'd said some guys that just weren't ready maybe the offensive line yeah I mean first of all we you know we played a pretty good non-conference schedule and and our second week of the season, we had three tackles get hurt in practice on our Tuesday practice when we were getting ready to play Middle Tennessee. And, and so, you know, we had to drastically kind of move some people around. And, you know, we just – we literally didn't have the depth uh, of guys that could compete and, and hold up. And, and we suffered in those non-conference games. We had to move Jacob Gardner to tackle from center – and uh, and we had some backup guys that had to come in and play and it had come in and play the rest of the year. 
you know, it was a combination of things. We had a bunch of young guys playing. We had a young quarterback, young receivers, and um, young tight ends, and backup linemen. And, you know, there were there was a point where we were playing pretty good defense, and, you know, we had to try to play complimentary football and give ourselves a chance to win week in and week out. And, and that's what we did when we started conference play. You know, we went to Nevada and, and – uh, we just felt like if we could protect the football and, and, you know, we could make positive yards on offense and score as many as we could, we'd have a fighting chance in, in, in all our conference games. And we basically did. I mean, we did that for the rest of conference play. Um, you know, I, in, in the conference play, I think there's two teams that beat us, Boise and us, we beat ourselves the rest of the games and, and, um, you know, and so we don't plan to go through that again, you know, as painful as, as it is for the fans to watch. It's like watching a kid try to ride a bike, you know, it, it, when, when he's three years old and, and you see him keep crashing. And, and uh, you know, we led this league in offense the last two years before this season. And we know what works in this league. And, uh, you know, we just got to put the players in place and get them playing at a high level. Obviously, you know this. The fans on Ram Nation talked about it nonstop. We struggled in the red zone last year. You know you can't just snap your fingers and expect to start scoring touchdowns when we get down there. Um, so why did we struggle? And then what will be the focus this spring to kind of reverse that? Well, first of all, we got to play good up front. You know, we got we to gotta block people. Uh, we got to be able to move the line of scrimmage and we got to protect the quarterback. And, um, and then, you know, it's not just one area, Mike, it really isn't. And, you know, and I said it probably several times last year, but, you know, it, every game we had different players playing that were new and be quite honest, you know, we played with a team that we didn't practice with most of the year, you know, we had a bunch of kids that committed to playing and we practiced with them all spring and all summer. And then in September, a lot of them decided not to play anymore. And so then that put a lot of pressure on the young guys. You know, we had young receivers that just got here in the summertime and they're learning. They don't even know how to find their, their physics class, let alone try to understand what our offense is. So there was just a lot of new, uh, a lot of new kids learning new things every single week. You know, we had multiple quarterbacks. We had four different quarterbacks play. So every time they played, it was a new experience. You know, we had several different uh, offensive line combinations. You know, we had a freshman center play the last four weeks of the season. And so it was a combination of all of those things. And, you know, it wasn't good enough. Uh, it, it's not our standard. Uh, but we've got a we've got a first – we got to take pressure off our offensive line. Our quarterbacks got to play at a higher consistent level. And then the skill guys got to, they got to do their job. And I I'm excited about our skill guys. I think we got as good a crop of young skill players that I've ever been associated as a head coach. You know, they're just young, you know, the, the, the receiving group we had, we had three receivers all play for us. We had a young tight end and Jordan Williams, you know, and I think that's another area that's got to be better for us. Um, our passing game was not consistent, and 
we have to throw the ball to all five guys. And our quarterback did not have confidence throwing to all five of our receivers. And when that happens, you don't um, – it doesn't look good. And, and you know, we had a great receiver and in, in, in I think the best receiver in the league in Torrey Horton. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things when, when you have a big threat outside – people try to roll up to them. Well, when they roll up to them, you've got to be able to attack them down the middle of the field. And and we just weren't able to do that with our tight end position last year. And so, you know, we feel like we've got some kids that can help us get back to where we were with having a guy that can attack the middle of the field. Um, you know, I think Justice Ross Simmons, uh, you know, really made a lot of strides in his first year playing on opposite of Tory. But we need more guys to step up and be threats at the slot position, at the tight end position, to really complement the things that Tory can do. Coach, I know from uh, the fans' eye, if we'd had a little more luck with not get having so many injuries and and whatnot, having to shuffle our offensive line around so much, and you had better offensive line performance this year, you probably would have had several more wins. I don't know if you agree with that, but just curious if you believe that you've addressed some of the immediate needs of the offensive line via recruiting and the transfer portal yeah i think we have i think we have we were able to bring in three uh older offensive linemen that have been multiple year starters um and and i think our young guys are going to be much better um you know and and you know our whole thing was you know we we just have to play more consistent and protect the quarterback you know the the number of sacks that we had uh you just can't play with the negative plays that we had. And so, and I agree with you, you know, this is, this is probably, this is one of the best defenses that I've had as a head coach. And, um, you know, in a normal year, I mean, this is, you know, we, we could, we could win a championship with this defense. And so it's just, uh, you know, it's just too much too soon with our roster. You know, we, we just had some holes that we, we didn't even really, know that we had to be honest with you last year you know I I told the kids the first day in training camp you know I don't really know what we have and until we start playing and still until we start going through some adversity we're not going to really know what we have and you know and unfortunately we didn't have we didn't have enough guys that wanted to stick it out and because I think we would have improved and got a lot better in the conference play you know with some older guys that that were a little bit more committed, but you know, it is what it is. And it's behind us in the rear view mirror. And, and I think we got a, we got a real group of guys that can, that will fight together and continue to improve. Well, early, early signing day, you guys, as you mentioned, brought in about 30 guys, you've got room for four or five more in the February period. Mike and I are looking forward to you coming down here to Denver for the uh, Denver Ram roundup next month at the Denver country club. It's always a great event got to talk to you last year at this time. And uh, can you talk about some of the guys that you're particularly excited about who might have a chance to make an impact right away next year? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've got, we've got some good players um, that are going to be plugging in some of the transfer kids that we have. We've got about a dozen transfer kids that are here now. Um, You know, of, of those, of those 12 guys, we got three offensive linemen, um, uh, we've got uh, a defensive back, uh, Ron Hard from 
from uh, Oregon State that's a corner that will plug in right away. Um, I love uh, the freshmen that we have from in-state. Silas Evans is a wide receiver from from uh, George Washington High School. Uh, Tanner Morley is, is, is from Valor, big offensive lineman. Um, and Javion Smith-Combs is a three technique from Cherry Creek. Just really super talented kids. Um, we got six wide receivers that are all tall, long kids that can run. Chad Savage has brought those guys in. Um, so I'm really, I'm really excited. Kennedy McDowell's a defensive lineman from Frisco that's going to be here at at uh, at semester. And so I'm just so fired up about about the group that we had come in. Uh, you know, we signed 35 guys. Um, we got a couple more coming in here at semester that I can't really talk about till school starts. Um, but, you know, this group is going to be uh, a real shot in the arm to us. Um, you know, the we signed that group uh, on December 21st and, you know, 24-7, and those guys say it was the number one group in the Mount West. Um, but it's a talented group of kids and, and talented group of athletes. One of the things that we – just would not fudge on is the profile of the players and and our profile is it's a physical profile along with a character profile but you know we wanted to get longer get taller really wanted to get bigger in the offensive defensive lines and um, you know I think the the kids that we brought in reflected that you know I was so fired up uh, I already mentioned our tight ends. Uh, we got uh, Dallin Hoker as a transfer tight end for BYU, was a 1,500-yard receiver in high school, played with them for a couple of years, uh, super mature kid. Uh, is what we're looking for at tight end is a guy that can stretch the field. Vince Brown's a 6'7 tight end from DuPage, another guy that has played wide receiver, plays tight end. Um, and Mason Malau is, is a – another six, seven kid from Hawaii that, you know, that's a profile of, of kid that we like in that room. And those kids are all going to be here. Two of them are going to be here at semester, uh, the two transfers and, and then Mason will be here this summer. So, you know, it's just kind of a, an example of the kids that we got coming in. And again, we're going to try to continue to, to bring a couple more in before, before we play in the fall. So you and your staff are all over the state this weekend. I know you can't talk specifics about guys, but how did that go? It went great. You know, we, we, we've been in the state. Uh, we went out Friday to hit all the schools. And right now we're following up on, on, uh, you know, 23 kids that still might be available. Um, and POWs, you know, I think that's one of the things that really goes, unnoticed is that you know we're a developmental program and some kids may not have all the offers coming out of high school um but you know when i spent five years at nevada we gave 16 players scholarships there we gave six walk-on scholarships last fall and um, those are really good good football players keegan house is a running back you know from 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 Cherry Creek did an amazing job and you know he had a knee injury in high school and he's a guy that 
that we just love since he came in. And so, um, you know, King, uh, King Hamilton at center, we think he's going to be a really good player. But we we love those guys that are fringe players that come in and work hard and develop in, in our program. And so, you know, we're, we really want to encourage, you know, some of these kids in state may not have gotten the Division One offer, but maybe they got Division Two or they got some of the good Division Two schools up here in the Northwest that want them. And, um, you know, we'd like to get those guys to come to CSU. You know, and the other thing is we're on the road and, and this time of year, most of the bulk of recruiting is done for 23. So we're, we're hot and heavy on 24s now. I mean, we're all over uh, the, the kids for next season and we want to get those kids on campus and, and get an early start on them. So it's a really important time right now, these next two weeks. You know, I'll be out in the state next, next week. Um, I'm going to be uh, here on campus uh, for the first couple days of the, uh, this week, meeting with all of our players. I always think that's important. Uh, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was great. And, you know, our whole staff was out in the state uh, Friday and, and, and we'll continue to, to hit the schools uh, until February 1st. What have been some of the challenges recruiting in state? Uh, I know you recruited when you uh, the state when you were in Nevada. You, know, you got some good players out of high school to go uh, go to your program there. What have been some of the challenges now that you're here in state? I don't know that there are any challenges to be honest with you. I mean, um, you know, we we try to scour the the entire state. I mean, we want to recruit every player. Uh, that has a chance to help us win in the state. Um, we don't always recruit everybody that everybody wants us to recruit, um, but we try to stick to our standard of what we feel like we need to be elite. And, and uh, you know, we're recruiting players that we think could be all conference players and that can go to the National Football League. I mean, that's what we look for. And, you know, there's a certain height that, that goes with that. There's a certain a length that goes with that. There's a physical profile that goes with that. And so, you know, I, I, I know that everybody doesn't understand that in the state, um, but we truly look at every player that has a chance to play. And, um, um, and so, you know, we try to do uh, the very best we can to evaluate all those kids and, and then get them up on campus. We've had a ton of in-state kids up the campus and, um, and up to our games. And so uh, there really is uh, in this day and age uh, with, with social media and uh, the opportunity for kids to find out about your program. Um, I don't know there, you know, to, to me that there hasn't been major challenges recruiting the in-state kids. And, you know, there's always some kids that are always going to be looking out of state, you know, some top kids that, you know, are that grow up and they want to look at, other conferences and they want to look at major programs. And I think that'll always be that way. Um, but we want all those kids to consider what we have. We feel like we've got incredible facilities. We got a great community and uh, we got a great place where guys can reach their goals here at CSU guys go to the NFL from here. And uh, you know, we got a great history of that and we're going to play a great, great schedule. And, and uh, so we can, you can reach all your, all your goals here at CSU. And, you know, and those are the messages that we hit these guys with. Coach, just got a couple questions left. I know you got to get running here, but um, 
we had a great conversation with Coach Medved last week about recruiting and how it has changed, particularly for him in basketball with NIL and especially when you're in the transfer portal and these guys are demanding X amount of dollars. Um, have you run into issues like that where you're, where NIL is becoming an issue? And then also talk about how the new green and gold uh, collective is, is going to help you guys. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think a big part of it is the messaging that our fans get. You know, I always love talking like this because I, I feel like I'm talking to our fan base and, it has changed. It's completely changed recruiting. And, and, you know, I, I've, I've been coaching for three decades and, and I've seen a lot of changes and, and here's the thing about coaching. You either, you either adapt to the, the new rules or you die. And, 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 um, and I think that's the big thing, whether, whether you agree with NLI or think it's a bad idea or whatever, the reality is, is that it's here. And the reality is, is that we're we're competing in an environment in which it exists. And so the players that we recruit are being affected by NIL. And, and so um, and so we have to be realistic about that. You know, in the last year, it's totally changed the way we can recruit transfer players. Uh, the, the quality transfer player is dried up for us. Um, because we just can't we can't compete with the NIL money that the power five schools are offering. The other thing that the transfer rule and the NIL has done is it's it's given bad recruiters a mulligan. You know, I mean, we've made our career at evaluating talent and finding hidden gems in kids that other people miss on. And now those kids go to group of five school they become all conference and then the power five guys get a mulligan they like we want to go scoop these guys up and so it has changed a lot you know any quality group of five player that gets in the portal is getting power five scholarships and power five money and here's the other thing is that you don't, they don't even have to have a scholarship anymore you know all they all they need is to pay the kids tuition and you know and you, you can, you can, you guys are smart guys. Look at, look at Twitter and see all these kids that committed to these other schools and look at if they're announced on signing day, hmm. they don't even announce these kids. Hmm. So how did they get to school there? Somebody's paying their tuition yeah. and ain't part of their 85. And, you know, the reality is there's a lot of kids at our level that get in a portal because they want to play power five, but a lot of these kids are going to go and, and just be, be backups, you know, and, 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 and the power five schools are recruiting these guys for depth. And so, you know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a small sample size right now. We don't have a, we don't have a long, uh, uh, a big sample group, but a lot of these kids are, are going to look back and, and really uh, see that, they probably didn't make great choices on on going to these other schools and, and getting in the portal. And there's a ton of kids that don't get anything. And so, you know, it's just, it is, it is. And we've got the, you know, I've, I've been around a long time and, and, you know, you can see a kid's talent and, and can, can see if they can play at a certain level. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's what's happening to a lot of these guys. And well, um, one thing, one thing I like seeing 
uh, so far. You know, you can take a three-year, a third-year player from a uh, Power 5 school that has never seen the field, or you could take a third-year player from a G5, from a FCS team that's been starting his entire career as a, since a, his freshman year. You, you take that three-year starter. So I appreciate seeing seeing the guys that you brought in in December. I think that's what CSU needs, and, and I, I love seeing it personally as a fan. But as, you know, somebody who really follows the sport, I love it. I love what you're doing, and, and I totally appreciate that. Well, we, you know, it's just like any business. You got to have, you got to have dependable people. You got to have people you can count on that are going to come to work every day and give you an honest day's effort. And, you know, I'm getting ready to tell these kids in about 10 minutes at a team meeting, you know, their job as CSU football players is to get better every day and to put a, a full day's work in. And, and uh, you know, you shouldn't have to tell a CSU football player what his job is. His job is to come and get go come to work and get better every day. I shouldn't have to tell a CSU football player his job is to beat CU. I shouldn't have to tell a CSU football player his job is to beat Wyoming. I mean, when you sign up to come here, you know that's what you do. And so, I mean, I'm just used to that. Uh, I'm not used to having to give a guys a fire up every day just to practice. I mean, I mean, this is football. This is what you do. You should be excited about practicing. And I could care less if it's a game or practice. I want to win, you know. And 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 so I, I just think, you know, when you get a group of guys together that have that attitude, it's a lot of fun to coach. And and um, you know, and 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 we're getting there. Uh, we're adding those kind of kids, and uh, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm really uh, uh, excited to get to, to work with these guys. You know, I'm getting ready to have a team meeting with them. I haven't talked to them in about uh, a month, and so I I'm gonna pile on them today. So so it'll be good. But I'm I'm excited to get back to work with these guys, and 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 they're they're gonna start getting better every day. Well, Coach, it's been a real privilege getting to catch up with you and hope to do this again as the season approaches later on. Maybe we'll do it uh, around spring ball. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, anytime, guys. I appreciate you guys. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the future is going to be bright here. We got a lot of good young kids that are going to grow up in front of your eyes. And, and uh, we're excited to put them on the field, put a team on the field everybody's proud of. We're on well, board. That, that, that's our RV that you the team bus stops at. For yeah. the Ramlock. So awesome. every every home game, that's us right there. So you know we're going to be there. No doubt. Well, I appreciate you. Appreciate you, Mike, Joel. You guys be good. Holler anytime. Thanks, Coach. All right, guys. Thanks. That was Coach Jay Norvell. Boy, are we fortunate to have guys like him and Nico Medved, Ryan Williams. Guys, they just they just hire good people at CSU and uh, the kind of guys you root for. And I I really believe he's going to bring success here. And uh, he's building it the right way. So I know we're all impatient, but we did not love last season. But good things are to come with this program and Coach Norvell in charge. So we appreciate him and getting that set up as well as Kyle Neves for helping arrange that as well. Michael, thanks for pulling away from your bar crawl to do that with us and, and work Coach Jay's schedule into ours. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you have a good week. We will have... Athletic Director Joe Parker on uh, later this week. We'll be recording. We'll probably air that this weekend or next Monday, something like that. So, excuse me. So that's to come. We hope you enjoyed this one. Go Rams.